Chapter 17 of Paul, a Herald of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Paul, a Herald of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 17 The Mediator the centurion Cornelius, bearing the missive of Petronius, had no sooner arrived in Rome than he made haste to seek an interview with Herod Agrippa. For, said Petronius, in that he is both a Jew and a favorite of Caius Caesar, thou mayest hope through him to obtain audience of the emperor at a good and favorable season. Do thou therefore acquaint him with what hath taken a place, and with what I have done, and act according to his advice in the matter. Now it happened that Agrippa had already heard what the emperor had determined concerning the temple at Jerusalem, and he was both sorry and afraid, for in his inmost heart he believed in the power and might of Jehovah, since he had not failed from his youth up to receive information concerning the marvelous things which had befallen the Jews in times past. If Jehovah depart from Israel, he said within himself, how shall it profit me to be king of the Jews, since without their God Israel shall be speedily brought to naught? Because therefore he wished to be mighty, and to enjoy power, and riches, and dominion, as had his grandfather Herod. He listened carefully to all that Cornelius had to say. And when the man had finished speaking, he said to him, How is it that thou, being a Roman, dost manifest such kindness towards the Jews? For indeed thou hast spoken even as one who also fears this Jehovah. There is truly no God among all the nations of the earth like unto the God of the Jews, replied Cornelius gravely. For while other gods be fashioned out of wood and stone, and ivory, which also can be looked upon, touched, and handled by man, the God of the Jews alone is unseen and invisible, yet he alone can hear the cry of man and regard it. How dost thou know this? asked Agrippa curiously. Hast thou also worshipped in the temple, who art a Gentile? I have never visited the temple replied the centurion, looking intently into the haughty face of the Herod. But I prayed to the God of the Jews in mine own house at Caesarea. Since I could no longer with an honest heart entreat the gods of Rome, I gave alms also, according to the teaching of the Jews, to them which were in need. Not long since there befell me a wondrous thing, but I forget myself. He added in an altered tone, Shall I today deliver this letter to the emperor? Agrippa waved his hand impatiently. I must yet consider that question with care, good centurion. The delay is no matter, since at present all goes well with the Jews. I am minded to know the wondrous thing that befell thee at Caesarea. I will tell thee what it was, answered the centurion and this the more gladly, since thou thyself dost believe on this Jehovah. 
Agrippa shrugged his shoulders with a slight smile. Say on, he commanded briefly. I was praying in my house, according to my custom, continued Cornelius, it being about the ninth hour of the day, when suddenly I saw an appearance as of a young man clad in garments of dazzling whiteness. He spoke to me, calling me by name. When I had looked still further at him and perceived by the radiance which streamed forth from his person that it was no earthly being which had addressed me, I was afraid. Yet I made shift to ask what he might want with me. Then spake he these words unto me, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God, and now send me to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Wondrous indeed, remarked Agrippa, his lips curling. Thou didst dream, man, and thy slumbers were perchance disturbed by an overdraught of new wine. I had drunken nothing, King Agrippa, but now hear what followed. I called straight away two of my household servants, who were good men, likewise an honest soldier of my guard, and to them I related the vision. Then I sent them to Joppa to search for the man Simon, whose surname was Peter. And did they find the tanner? Was it not? interrupted Agrippa languidly. They found the house of the tanner, and the man Simon, whose name was Peter, and when they had told him the things which I bade them say, he readily consented to accompany them to Caesarea, which also he did on the day following, bringing with him certain other Jews which abode in Joppa. Agrippa raised his hand with a gesture of dissent. I am but half a Jew, he said and I care nothing for the burdensome customs of the rabbis. Yet do I know that Jews enter not into the house of Gentiles, lest they incur defilement? That is true, answered Cornelius gravely, and thus did the man Peter say unto me and to those of my kinsfolk and acquaintance whom I had gathered to my house. Ye know, he said, how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company, with one of another nation. Yet God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came unto thee without question as soon as I was sent for. He then asked me what I would have from him, whereupon I related to him the vision which I had seen, and I told him moreover that all that he saw assembled in my house were come together that they might learn from his lips the commandments of the living God. Of a truth, he said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Then declared he unto us Jesus of Nazareth, a man anointed with power and with the Holy Spirit, who during his lifetime went about doing good, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And we are witnesses, he said, of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews 
and in Jerusalem, how also that he was crucified of them. But God raised him from among the dead on the third day, and showed him openly not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after that he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people, and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. Agrippa moved uneasily in his chair. This was not the first time that he had heard of this man Jesus. He remembered on a sudden a strange story which he had been told him in his boyhood concerning certain wise men who had once come to Jerusalem seeking for the king of the Jews. We have seen, they declared, his star in the east, and are come to worship him. His grandfather Herod, the greatest of all his race, was troubled when he heard of the thing, and all Jerusalem was troubled with him. He therefore assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people, so ran the story, and demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they answered that it had been foretold by the prophets that out of Bethlehem should come a ruler who should reign over Israel. Forthwith the king sent secretly for the wise men and instructed them to seek for the young child in Bethlehem. When ye have found him, he said, bring me word that I also may come and worship him. But the wise men did not return to Jerusalem, and Herod in a fury immediately sent forth executioners into Bethlehem with commands to slay all of the children in that village and its vicinity of two years old and under. Again, he remembered that Pilate, the governor under whom this Jesus of Nazareth was put to death, had told him that the man boldly declared himself to be the rightful king of the Jews. True, he was dead, but what of this strange story of his resurrection, which so many of the Jews persisted in believing? Agrippa straightened himself, and a baleful light flashed from his eyes. Where is this man from Galilee, who also arose from the dead, he demanded? Do they keep him hidden from the people, that they may raise an insurrection in his name? Verily, when the knaves led after them loyal soldiers of the empire, tis time that the matter be looked to. Come now, what say these fellows concerning the threatened profanation of the Holy of Holies? Are they also amongst them which have piously fasted and entreated the legate Petronius for the space of forty days? Cornelius hesitated and looked down. Despite the joyous confidence of his new faith, which urged him to witness to the truth whenever opportunity offered, he half regretted that he had spoken of the matter to this man. The followers of the Christ, he said at length, affirm that should the temple be raised to the ground, men would still have access to the Father through the mediation of his Son, Jesus, who hath ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God. They do not therefore care for any of these things, questioned Agrippa sharply. The peace of God which passeth understanding abides with him, and shall abide. 
now and evermore, answered Cornelius solemnly. Enough. We will speak of the matter no more. Yet wilt thou do well, good centurion, to offer sacrifices and libations to the gods of Rome after the pious customs of thy ancestors, that these mists of Jews... Enough. We will speak of the matter no more. Yet wilt thou do well, good centurion, to offer sacrifices and libations to the gods of Rome after the pious customs of thy ancestors, that these mists of Jewish heresy which envelope thee may be scattered in honest daylight. To worship a crucified criminal is scarce meet for a man in authority like myself. Methinks, if the matter should come to the ears of the emperor, there would be another centurion of the Italian band in Caesarea. Cornelius flushed hotly over all his honest face. Dost thou, who art a Jew, commend me to the gods which thou knowest to be false? he demanded. By Apollo, man, thou dost weary me with thy cant. Know that I care not a denarius for any god on earth or in heaven. They be all alike, perchance, the vapors, imaginings of the credulous. But look you. As to this matter which thou hast in hand for Petronius and the Jews, do nothing for seven days. At the end of that time thou shalt hear from me further. Having thus dismissed the messenger of the governor, Agrippa set himself to make ready a great banquet in honor of Caius Caesar. During six days his servants were employed in preparing the pastries and cooked meats. Strange! and costly delicacies were procured from every place where such things were to be found. Rich wines also in abundance, garlands of roses, and sweet-scented leaves to wreath the ivory couches on which the guests were to recline, music of sweet and varied sorts, together with bands of beautiful youths who should chant in chorus the praises of this new Jupiter. All of these things did Agrippa set in order, and on the seventh day the emperor of Rome was feasted in the house of his friend. When he had eaten and drunken gluttonously, as was his custom, and while the choruses were being sung in his honor, he lay back upon the silken cushions of his couch and looked about him well pleased. There is no one he said at length, fixing his unsteady eyes upon Agrippa, in all of Rome, nay, in all the world, of whom I think more highly than of yourself, my Agrippa, and when it comes to my mind how that while I was without power thou didst cleave to me, despite the commands of that old dotard Tiberius, whom may the Furies tear, even enduring the cause of thine exalted affection for my person, the ignominy of chains and imprisonment, I am minded to show thee still further of my kindness, since what I have already done for thee by way of amends for thy suffering is but little. Know then that anything which thou shalt ask of me to the extent of my ability, 
shall be immediately granted to thee. And this also I swear by the great Jupiter, my brother, and by all the inferior gods. The guests fixed their eyes upon the king, expecting that he would ask nothing less than the addition of other providences to his kingdom, or the revenues of certain cities. But Agrippa made answer after this manner, exhibiting withal a noble humility and an honest sincerity of countenance, which did mightily affect every one that heard him. I have loved thee, O most gracious and condescending of all the divinities, he said, but I have loved thee for thyself alone, and not for any benefits which I hope to receive at thy hands. Thou hast already heaped upon me gifts beyond the craving of even the most grasping of men, and although these gifts may be beneath thy power, who art all-powerful, yet do they greatly transcend my worthiness as well as my desires. At this Caius professed to be greatly astonished, and pressed him yet more strenuously to make of him at least one request, since he would not be denied the gratification of doing him some further honor. I would ask nothing for myself, divine majesty, replied Agrippa, but I desire a boon which may render yet more glorious thy renowned piety, and which also will confer upon me the honor of having never failed in my requests of thee. My petition is this, that thou wilt forbear to set up that statue of thyself in the temple at Jerusalem. With which request, indeed, Caius was mightily taken aback, Yet because he had so publicly urged Agrippa to ask a favor of him, and because he feared that he might be made a laughing-stock of them that had witnessed the scene, should he now refuse? He declared that he should take pleasure in gratifying so unselfish a wish. Within the hour he had written a letter to Petronius, commending him for what he had already accomplished, and bidding him proceed no further in the matter of the Colossus. If Therefore he wrote, Thou hast already erected the statue, let it stand. But if thou hast not yet dedicated it, do not trouble thyself further about it, but dismiss thy army. Go back, and take care of those affairs which I sent thee about at first, for I have changed my mind regarding the erection of the statue, and this be it understood. Have I done out a favor to Agrippa? The next day Agrippa sent for the centurion Cornelius, and told him to deliver the missive which he had brought from Petronius, since he had made the matter sure beyond a peradventure. Cornelius took the letter of Petronius, and himself gave it into the hand of the emperor, who had no sooner read it than he fell into a furious rage, which indeed resembled that of a wild beast since he straightway forgot his oath to Agrippa and what he had already written to Petronius. They have bribed the knave, he roared, tearing at his garments like a demoniac. Fetch me parchment that I may write, seeing that thou dost esteem the presence 
made thee by the Jews to be of greater value than my commands, he wrote, and art grown insolent enough to be subservient to their pleasure, I charge thee to become thine own judge, and to consider what thou shalt do, who art under my displeasure. For I will make thee an example to the present as well as to all future ages, that men may not dare to contradict the commands of their emperor. And this letter, which was equivalent to a death warrant, the emperor caused to be sent to Petronius by the hand of one of his own slaves. Also, he commanded a colossal statue of himself to be made at Rome with all possible speed. I will go to Jerusalem, he said, and myself see to its erection in the inmost shrine of their temple. End of chapter 17